You're listening to Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. For more information, check out chrisblair.com. Hey, everybody, this is Stories Behind the Songs, and I am your host, Chris Blair. Thank you so much for listening. My guest this week is such an incredible guy. I met him in Key West in 2016, and we've been family since we first met. He is from Nigeria, and he moved to Connecticut when he was six and has an incredible family story that he talks about that has instilled the person that he is still to this day. He talks about how he was born blind in his left eye, and because of an accident with a water gun, he became fully blind in both eyes at the age of 11. But through that and what he had to go through in that process, he had to sit still a lot and he got obsessed with the piano. He's gonna talk about that entire story and how that obsession with the piano eventually gets him to where he is today. You've heard his songs on the radio. You've probably heard songs that he's written for other people. He is an incredible guy. I am talking about Blessing Offer. This guy is incredibly talented and um, his story is so cool. He's gonna talk about Tin Roof that he wrote with Natalie Hemby that was released with Chris Tomlin and Friends in 2020. He's gonna talk about Brighter Days that was 17 on the billboard in 2022. I love this song, I'm obsessed with it. He's gonna talk about how he went through a really hard time losing his sister, Mercy, and then that led him to write My Tribe, which was number two, and other songs on that album called Grace and just some incredible things. He is just, again, incredibly talented. Uh, I can't say it enough. Uh, This is such a great episode. Let's get to it. Here is Stories Beyond the Songs with my buddy, Blessing Offer. Hey, everybody, this is Chris Blair, another episode of Stories Behind the Songs, and I am so excited. Today, I am sitting down with my good friend, Blessing Offer. How you doing, man? Dude, it's a it's a beautiful day. The allergies aren't too bad. Not I'm feeling too good. Bad. Yeah, <laughs> man, we've been trying to do this for months, and I'm so excited that uh, you've been so busy. I'm so proud of you, man. It's like been been sitting on the sidelines watching Ooh. just everything blow up over the last several years. It's awesome, <laughs> man. It's a journey, huh? And uh, I, like by the time this come this this will come out yeah. in a couple weeks, so yeah. obviously it'll be done. But like tonight. You're playing the Grammy block party, Yes, dude. You know, it's really funny. All we were just talking about Key West 2016, 17. All of those things Blessing wanted to do in 2016, 17 have more than happened. Yeah, And uh, it's just super surreal to A, look back. And because when, when things are happening, they're usually happening too fast to really look back. People go, can you believe you did blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I can't think about that right now. There's nine <laughs> more things a week from now that I need yeah. to focus on. Um, but like playing the Grammy anything is amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so at some point I'm going to sit and look back at, at it all. But right now we just got to like check things off check the list. Off. You know what yeah. I mean? And and not mess up. Yeah. My my word every day to myself is okay, don't mess it up. You know yeah. what I mean? So, I love it. Yeah, yeah that was that was when I met you it was in 2016 at yep. the Key West Songwriters Festival. Oh, I yep. <laughs> and I remember I think it was Dylan Dixon if I remember oh my correctly. Oh god, I love him. Um, yes. Yeah, we were having the big uh we called it the TLR Days pool yes. party yes. and we had everybody come over and we would just basically do this jam session yeah. for hours. Yes. And uh and Dylan was like Hey, I've got this this guy that I've mm-hmm. met, and uh, I want to bring him over. And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely, everybody's welcome." And it's like you showed up, and dude, we just hit it off right away. Bro. And then, 
And then I heard you sing. And I was like, <laughs> bro, come on. Man, honestly, Dylan Dixon, um, you, my friend Dave was there at the time. Yeah, Dave Palmer. Yeah. yeah. Um, I because I'd only moved to Nashville in 2015. So that next summer was a year living in Nashville. And man, Nashville is just one of these places. It It's just full of people that love music and love other people. And I can't tell you how much this town has just always embraced me. Um, and even in Key West, everybody was just like, oh my God, what do you do? Why? And it was just immediate family. So yeah. I always look back on days like that, like the back in the day, right. you know what I mean? Before anything was anything. Yeah. And there was still, even then, just joy, you yeah. know what I mean? And people just happy to be there, yeah. you know? And that that's how you know you're in the right place. It's so true, man. This town is like, uh, in a minute, I want to I want to back up and I want to talk about how you got to Nashville. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, just to that point, it's just, that is one of the first things that I recognized when I first moved here. You know, not, not that, you know, I didn't have great people where I grew up, yeah. but it was just something different, magical about yeah. Nashville. And you like, everybody is nice. Everybody yes. says hi. Everybody's yeah. like, it's, they're not out to like compete with you, Correct. you know, or, or they, if they are, it's like a friendly competition, yes. right? It's I like, mean, we can all win. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, listen, they, they want the number one, yeah. you know, yeah. but then like afterward you go to lunch, you know, exactly. and it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. All right, so let's go back uh, and just quickly tell the story. And I mean, we've known each other for a long time, mm -hmm. and I've heard I've heard a lot of your story. So I'll kind of tee it up. But like, through I, I tell all my guests, mm -hmm. like, pretend I don't know anything, Perfect. because I, I want to share with the, you've got such a beautiful story, and I want to share it. So from Nigeria, yes. you moved over uh, to, to Connecticut, Connecticut when I was six. Yeah. So um, walk me through all that. So youngest of six kids two parents my my dad um was and is just one of the most um amazing people i've ever known my mom same you know they owned businesses back home just worked really really hard um and it's funny because the life we lived when i tell people about it now it sounds crazy but like we were that family where someone could knock on the door and be like hey i don't have any food and we'd be like, oh, well, come on in. There's food. Come eat. And if someone didn't have somewhere to stay, they would, you know, they just, you know, they'd say, hey, something just told me to come here. Mm. And so we, we, my dad lived and walked out his faith in a way that was just so authentic that it was all I ever knew. And I was just used to it. But it wasn't like a bombastic, showy, loud thing. It was just, it was what it was, you know? Um, and he tell us these casual stories about like, you know, people being shocked when he gave them money back from a construction project that was under budget and he'd bring the money back and they'd be like, why are you doing this? And he'd say, well, you paid me X. I paid my guys Y cost of, you know, material was this and you have this leftover. And they're like, yeah, but everybody would just keep that. And he said, well, that's not mine. You know what I mean? Mm. And that was shocking in a in a in a third world country where like bribes and all this stuff are, is very commonplace. Um so <clears throat> I got to watch that as a kid. And you know, when you're six, five, four, you barely understand anything, but I just I heard the stories and they live in my brain, you know. So um my uncle, 
is uh, was a big soccer star back in the day. So he came here to play soccer. He played internationally. Um, he played for a bunch of colleges here, and he pivoted from that to school, as as Nigerian immigrants and immigrants in general usually do. Got a bunch of degrees and is a lawyer now. And so when I was when I was six. Um, he was like, hey, I want Blessing to come with. I want him to come to America. I'm going to bring him here um, because I was born blind in my left eye uh, from con congenital glaucoma. Mm -hmm. So we came to the States when I was six to treat the right eye, which had vision, a lot of vision. Yeah. To, uh, so we wanted to come, A, stabilize it, and B, just go to school and, and generally do what we couldn't do in Nigeria. For me, for someone who was blind or low vision at that point, which is like, get really good education because back home they were like i think blessings mentally challenged you know what i mean like their assumption because i couldn't see the board was that i was mentally which is ridiculous yeah. uh um, but we came here and i did school went to yale so literally just like happened to move next to the best hospital in the world um grew up in right outside of new haven connecticut hamden hey um went to yale they stabilized the vision right and then when I was 11-ish, I got shot in the good eye with a water gun and it detached the back of my retina. So like all that surgery they did to like piece the eye together and like keep it functioning, a super soaker just like scrambled within 24 hours, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And um, right around that time, we got a piano at the house. And so as one thing was happening, the other thing was happening. Um, and I'd already kind of been playing piano, you know, being musical. But also as a kid, you're like running around, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so with this big old accident, I literally, they went and reattached the retina and, and they were doing all this stuff that just required me to sit still. So in that sitting still, they were like, hey, you can't, if you jostle this, you know, very uh, fragile eye that we're trying to hold together, You'll, you're going to make it worse. So like the best thing ironically to do was just sit and play piano. <laughs> and so I got obsessed with the piano and that obsession is why we're here, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the beginning of it. Yeah. So, um, then how, through that process, when and how did you figure out, okay, I'm going to leave Connecticut mm -hmm. and I'm going to get to Nashville. <clears throat> So at some point, I started telling people I'm going to be a singer-songwriter um, because even at 9, 10, 11, 12, I, was, I loved music. Um, and I remember the first time I was, I had the conscious thought of I want to do music, I was seven. Um, and I was in the back seat of my babysitter's car and I can't remember the song, but I, something about it, I remember literally looking out of the window. Uh, her name was Miss May. She had just gotten her nails done. And I was looking out of the window and she was like, oh man, I hope these nails dry. And I, I wish I could remember the music, but I went, whatever I just heard, I want to do. And that was the first conscious thought that I can remember of like music, right? And, but as a seven-year-old would, you like let it go because you want McDonald's or something like, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, but right around when the piano came in, I was like, man, I really want to play piano and write songs and 
So then I started telling people I'm going to be a singer-songwriter. I really meant it, but of course, kids say a lot of things. Kids want to be like robots, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, to whatever extent anyone believed a 12-year-old. Um, and so I started writing songs, quite terrible at first, if I do say so myself. Um, and then I had this mentor named Eric Brown. And Eric had done a lot of performing, you know, done a lot of stuff in New York. So he was, he knew music. And I remember I was like, Eric, I want you to, I want help. I want you to help me with this. He goes, do you really want to do this professionally? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, okay, I'm going to judge you like a professional. I said, okay, great, great, great. I have a song. I want you to come hear this new song I wrote. And he goes, are you sure? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready, coach. And he goes, okay. He comes over. I play him this song and I'm just like proud of myself. And I finish and he goes, that was the worst song I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. you've, you've wasted four minutes of my life. I, I don't know why I came. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> I was 13. He goes, yeah, that was horrible. And I was like, wait, I, everybody else says it was good. And he goes, yeah, it's because you're 13. <laughs> they just want, don't want to hurt your feelings. And he goes, I don't care. He's like, if you want to do this professionally, this is what you have to get used to. That was a terrible song. Now you're good and you can do better, but that wasn't it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And man, everybody I tell that story to, they go, why is he so mean? I was like, no, you misunderstand. Why was he that nice? Yeah. That kind, right? To take me seriously enough to tell me it was horrible. Yeah. You know? And I don't know, you know, I think 13 was just right. Because maybe at eight, you don't want to be that mean. You know what I mean? And some people think 13, I was perfectly fine with it. It hurt my feelings for a minute. But like, then I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna write a better one. And that was it. The answer wasn't cool, I'm gonna quit. It was like, okay, cool, I'm gonna do a better one. Yeah. And there was a better one, hopefully. And, you know, every time I would play out, I'd say, Eric, come to my show. And I would, I would get off stage and everybody would be like, Blessing, that was so great. And I was always, okay, where's Eric? <laughs> because after everybody got through making me feel good, which is awesome, right? I'd go, okay, Eric, how was it? And he'd be like, yeah, it was all right. And mm. I'd say, okay. And that was a good estimation yeah. of where I was. Yeah. Um, and I loved that. I loved that I could get all the feel good from my friends and the community because Hamden loved me and loves me, right? And you need that. But then you know where you go for like a reality check. And that's also good, you know? Yeah. So absolutely. So that you're you're learning the process, mm -hmm. you're learning the the rules, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um Writing better songs, hopefully, and then, uh, and then, yeah. So that then, 2015, yeah, you make the move to Nashville, <laughs> yeah, and you get engulfed, and that that brings us to, uh, you know, shortly after that mm -hmm. when we met, yes. Um, so walk me through kind of that progression, and then how you got to, um, you know, the, your deals and all that. So, it's interesting, the journey to Nashville because, as everybody will attest, there's always that hard lesson of you can't trust everybody you meet, right? And when I first came to Nashville, I had to learn that lesson. I was around a lot of people that I thought were great friends in business. And it took a couple of years to realize they weren't. And so my first few years in Nashville was mired in dealing with um, business relationships that were not good for me. Mm. And I didn't know for a while, you know what I mean? Yeah. But every once in a while I would, I would hear something. They'd be like, hey, you hang out with so-and-so. 
And I'd be like, yeah. And they'd be like, okay. And I'd be like, wait, what's that tone? And they'd be like, hey, man, just, you know, be careful. And then, like, you're new to town and you don't want to think anybody would ever meet anything bad. But, like, why am I getting this same thing about this, these people from so many directions? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it took a couple of years to kind of, you know, shed that skin, right? Yeah. And um, then we got into the into the the what I call the starving artist days, <laughs> hmm. where because I left some professional relationships behind, I wasn't making money. You know what I mean? And and then, like, I was like, okay, cool. It's like 2018. I have this apartment, and I don't have any deals. What the heck do I do? And man, I I nobody wants to ever admit how bad it got, but I I love admitting how bad it got. So like, my friends were paying my rent, like at least f half that year. My friends would pay my rent. I'd call my friend Tammy in particular. I always talk about Tammy. I say, Tammy, I need your credit card. I need your credit card. Just and so much so that she had my business webs, my buildings account portal saved on her computer. And so she'd wow. literally log in from LA and pay my rent. And I mean, I've paid her back, but like, that's a lot of trust. Yeah. And so it's people like that um, in, in all facets of life that get you to where you're going. Because in 2018, I mean, you could, you'd hear me play and you go, oh, he's really good. But there wasn't any, you, I didn't know when the good stuff would happen. I was just like, I just know music is the answer and I don't know how that happens, but it is, you know what I mean? And so I needed friends that would, that would stand by me and go, yeah, you're right. You are good and it will happen. And so much. So here's a bunch of money, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the fun stuff didn't really start happening till, um, I'm going to give Joe Fisher a shout out. This guy named Joe Fisher, wonderful guy. And <clears throat> Joe put me in my first room that, that started everything. And that was with Natalie Hemby, mm. friend to the room, Natalie Hemby, yeah. uh, queen. And it was after I'd left the, the environment that I shouldn't have been in that, uh, so I left that situation and about a year later, fall of 2018, <clears throat> I had a session with Natalie and that's when I wrote Tin Roof. Mm. Um, and Tin Roof is a song of mine that it has this like cottage uh, fan base. I'm you know obsessed. I, mean? I love that song. <laughs> and so, you did that with Chris Tomlin. Yes, yeah. exactly. And, and I wrote it and it came out with Chris on, on a Chris Tomlin and Friends record. And that's a funny story because Tin Roof got written, got sent to Universal and immediately everybody was like, what is this song? And a couple artists have made, have almost put it out so much so that there are a couple work tapes floating around of some cool people singing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And fast forward to meeting Chris and he goes, Hey, I heard, a, I heard this song of yours. Um, I want to put it on this Chris Tomlin and friends record. And like, I told him, I was like, Hey man, a yes. And B like, I don't know if being a Christian artist was at the top of my list of things to do. Like, I just love songs. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I love songs and I just love writing songs and I write different songs and I write love songs and I write 
hope songs and I write pain songs. And I said, Christian music just feels like all they want to do is tell you how low the valley is, whatever that means. And then immediately tell you, but it's going to be fun. I was like, it, they don't, it's, it doesn't feel very honest. It just feels like gloss, you know yeah. what I mean? And I said, if, if you want to put out Tin Roof, I, I, I got to tell you, it's a, it's a real song. And he goes, dude, I want, I want to, like, he believed in it. Um, and then he brought me to Universal. And again, I was like, again, I'm going to, you know, you're not supposed to, you know, you're not supposed to like sell yourself short at a job interview. But I was like, guys, 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 because capital CMG. I was like, guys, um, again, Christian artist, I don't want to be a worship leader. So if that's what you guys are looking for, I'm not the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a voice in my head going, shut up, <laughs> just get the deal. You know what I mean? But like, you got to be authentic. Yeah. You know, so I was like, I don't know if worship leader. And they go, we don't want you to be a worship leader. We want you to be yourself. And man. And who, this was capital okay yeah and that's what you want you want people that just believe in what you do yeah you know and they believe and believed then and believe now and they've just been the greatest partners ever you know um and that's that's where we are you know this episode is brought to you by sennheiser microphones when we first started this podcast we were using some older microphones and Sennheiser came in and sponsored us and gave us some MK4s and 914s. And I mean, I'm telling you, it's made all of the difference in the world. We love these microphones. We use them at the listening room as well. And I just can't say enough great things about them. Go check out Sennheiser.com. If you are into music in any way, their microphones are hands down the best on the planet. Go check them out, Sennheiser.com. And thank you, Sennheiser, for the support and the sponsorship. We love y'all. Man, so so yeah, that that's uh, that happens. Um, and then uh, that's around 2022, is that right? Yeah. Something so like that? Yeah. Chris, let's, the Chris Tomlin and Friends record came out in 2002. 20 actually 20 okay. july that's when that came out i okay. signed my deal brighter days was 22 yes exactly yeah, okay. so I, I signed my deal later that year and it's funny because it was mid-pandemic right yeah and i have friends who got deals at the beginning of pandemic like february-ish and lost their deals and i got i signed my deal october of 2020 and it was pandemic enough that we'd all been used to it and mm -hmm. like people could see that there is a an end to it and so it was weird that like signing my deal midway through a pandemic was kind of beneficial because we had a year of quiet where no one was expecting anything from us we just signed a deal and we had like a year of just get ready time before the world really opened up again and so in that year we made an ep brighter days got written um i got hopefully better at writing. I just wrote so much in that year because everything was kind of pseudo still shut down, only just starting to open up. And it was just a good, a good time to hit pause. Right. I mean, everything hit pause, Yeah. but like we just had get ready time. And as things started opening up again, brighter days was just like that song that people, uh, clung on to in a really beautiful way and man we couldn't have planned it better we didn't plan it you know what i mean yeah. but it just happened in this beautiful organic way um yeah and here we are you know
That song, another another song I'm obsessed with, uh, ends up going to 17 <laughs> on Billboard. Yep, uh, and uh, just such a such a great song. Emerson, my daughter, um, who is with us today, sitting <laughs> in the room, uh, she is a huge fan. I'm going to embarrass her a little bit. She's a huge <laughs> fan, and she loves that song. She was singing it like all morning, knowing that you were coming. Emerson, here, do so you want to sing it for us? No. There's gonna be. <laughs> come on. <laughs> she's like please stop <laughs> yeah. um but yeah man that was like that was uh such such the great traction that was happening right then um and just song after song and you started touring and doing all started this stuff touring. like so um kind of uh, walk me through like what was that like when yeah. you when you know like you're going from actually let me take a step back because mm-hmm. because i want to I want to make a point and I'm sure like, I know your heart um, and I'm sure that you've thought of it in this way, but just as you were telling your story, um, it just was hitting me that like kind of full circle growing up, watching your dad open the door for people who didn't have money, Mm -hmm. um, couldn't eat, Mm -hmm. needed a place to stay Mm -hmm. or whatever. And then you find yourself in that exact situation and and here are you the know, friends. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think that's just such a testament to like who you are mm. and how you grew up in your heart that people are like, um, they just want to help you. They just, yeah. they love you. And, um, and the fact that you talked about Tammy, right? Yeah, Tammy. Uh, oh yeah, that's my sister. I love her. Yeah. And you're Literally. like, <laughs> you know, you paid her back yeah. where there's, that was, that hit me too, because there's so many people, um, that probably would have been very, very gracious yeah. in those situations, but maybe wouldn't have thought to like pay them back. Yeah. Like just, Hey, thank you for the help, yes. you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, you go through all of that success starts happening. You take care of these people that helped you through those hard mm-hmm. times. And then that transition that really was within just a few years, um, that now all of a sudden you're out playing these huge shows and everybody's singing the songs back to you <laughs> bro like it's the most mind-blowing thing we're playing red rocks i played red, red rocks for the first time with chris yeah Ugh. last may maybe two mays ago but i'm going back in august with a bunch of people and i heard people sing brighter days and i was like oh my god it was yeah. one of my first like oh it's happening moments you know what i mean oh, and it's dude. just like it, it makes me emotional just to think about yeah. it yeah you know so it's do you when, when is that show? August uh, August first, I believe. August first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it, it's just it's one of those. Um, yeah, this whole thing is surreal because I have friends that are you know they call Nashville a ten year town. Yeah. And I I came in fifteen, and all of this started happening in twenty. So I'm blessed to have cut it down in half. Yeah. Uh, and, but I have friends. Um, you know, that are still grinding away at it. And it's not for any reason. It's not because they're not good enough. It's just like you, if you love this thing, this music thing, you have to wake up and still love it no matter what is or isn't happening. And that's just the trick to it. Otherwise, you'll be really miserable because I remember going, how come this is happening for so-and-so? It's not happening for me. And blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man, you have to remove like results from the equation. Like you just have to say, I love this job Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do this job. And as long as I can do it, that's all. 
the doing it is the joy. Everything else is icing. You know yeah. what I mean? And if you if it if you're thinking of it any other way, you're gonna really hurt yourself. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's so good, man. Yeah. Such great advice. Hey. Um, <laughs> I kind of stopped me in my tracks just thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about like I want to dive into lyrically, yeah. you know, some some songs. And if if you're okay with oh, it, of course. You know, one of one of the great stories, and I know it was a very painful time for you, but uh, I want to talk about mercy. Yeah. Oh, my sister. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Can you walk me through that, man? So this is. So coming from Nigeria, you learn a few things. Um, and if if y'all ever, well, you've been to India. Yeah. It's amazing how happy people are in third world countries. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's amazing. Because you don't, like, they are happier than they should be considering where they are. Right. And I tell people that the beauty of coming from a third world country is that you quickly learn that your happiness, your joy is not dependent on your physical circumstances. It can't be because if that was true, you'd go to those places and everybody would be miserable. Now they might be hungry. They might be sick. They might be a lot of things, but they're happy, yeah. you know, and coming here, you know, which, I love this place beyond, you know what I mean? Huge fan of America. Yay. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Like just, you know, can't say enough. And not, but, and what you get to learn in a wealthy place is that we almost do the opposite. We tie our happiness to physical things. And thus a lot of us are miserable because if you tie your happiness to anything external, you will always be disappointed. Mm. And so, it's, you know, my sister um, was perfectly fine. You know what I mean? She didn't die of anything like it wasn't cancer or anything. She had a stomach. Uh, she for like a year, she was like, my stomach just hurts. You know what I mean? She had she had issues digesting and this, that and the other thing. So if it was in America, you'd be like, well, listen, we'll go see the gastroenterologist and They'll like, if it's an ulcer, they'll whatever, and then you'll be good, right? That's all it would have been here. But back home in that third world situation, the medical, uh, lack of medical know-how or just like whatever the system is there. My brother always says, if you want to stay healthy in Nigeria, if you're sick, don't go to the doctors because they will find some way to make you sicker. You know what I mean? So she goes to the doctors. And just for a year, they did could do nothing or like just whatever they were prescribing wasn't working. We think here, our, our doctor friends here just think she probably had an ulcer that eventually made her body septic. You know what I mean? And it's such a simple thing. But right around New Year's, this last New Year's, Christmas, she was cool. She like called my parents, everybody talked. And then the 27th, she just, it went downhill real fast and then she passed and man, that was like a gut punch because everything's going great. And like, I'm about to go home for the first time this fall. And I had in my mind this picture, right? Hmm. The picture of everybody back together again. Right. And I 
we can't have that the same way I thought we could. And that's really sad. And it's, you know, beyond. It's like, yeah, so there, there is just, again, that, that awareness that life is a very fragile thing. And where I'm from, you quickly learn to base your joy on things that are deeper than what car you're driving, whether, even whether you have food in that moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, if, if anybody hearing my voice right now has not been to a third world country, you should go, yeah. which sounds counterintuitive, but you should go because it'll give you perspective real quick, yeah. you know? Yeah. We, uh, we went to India. Um, and I've also been to South Africa and, uh, so you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's so like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I literally saw these kids and these families mm -hmm. with tarps, mm -hmm. like, um, literally like they would make their house out of trash mm -hmm. and, uh, but they would run outside with smiles on their face mm -hmm. and just like kicking a soccer ball around and yep. just, they, they're full of love and joy and, um, yeah, it's just it it changes your entire perspective of of all of that and then you know just to you know to hear that story but but you took you took that pain um and you you wrote something beautiful <laughs> um so uh you know did did that song just kind of pour out like mm. how how did that come It's funny believe I wrote Weirdly enough for other people, I was like, I want other people to do this. Yeah. Right? And then it turned out it was for me. Mm. Right. And there's a line in that song that says, uh, what if you know something I don't? Yeah. What if you will something I won't? Right. If you don't give me what I want, but you give me what I need, is that enough to believe? And it's more just like this internal questioning. You just gotta, you gotta, you gotta interrogate yourself sometimes. Like, what am I really about? Yeah. Right. And I don't think we interrogate ourselves enough. I think we like to interrogate other people and yell at other people and, you know, but seldom do we sit in front of our own mirror and like really dig in for this, for, for see what's in there. Because, you know, the question, the answer to that question for me is not always easy. Um, but it's always been, yeah, I would, I, I will, but I hate it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'll believe, but I don't like it. And that's okay. You don't have to like it. You know what I mean? But like a lot of people will just like do this surface thing. And the thing with happiness and joy is that if the wind blows the wrong way, your happiness is gone. Right? But like joy is the thing you find literally when nothing's going right. That's when you know you, you're joyful. It's like when nothing's good. Right? When my friend Tammy's paying my rent, I, and I, this isn't me going, look at me, but like you have to have your stuff tested before you can call it joy. Otherwise, it's just feel good stuff. It's just like, you know, surface happiness un until it's tested. And a lot of the times, like what we call happiness, once, once the world pushes on it a little bit, it all just kind of like falls apart, mm. you know? Yeah. Dude, I love you so much. I love you too, bro. This is, oh, <laughs> man, this is so fulfilling. I love it. I've, you know, I've 
been able to know your story for so many years, but just, uh, you know, walking through it again. And it's, it's been too long, man. Yeah, dude, this is awesome. I'm glad we did this in person, not over Zoom. Exactly. Yeah. It wouldn't have been the same. No, it's never the same. (laughs) Um, all right, well, let's talk, like pick another song. I don't know. Uh, you, you pick. Okay. You know what? Okay. Let me see. I love on, so you, you guys, you get the record, my tribe. It came out January 13th. Yep. Let's pick, there's a song on there called grace. Um, that's, that's, uh, it's this dichotomy. It, so grace is, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's a forgiveness song, right? It's a, the chorus says, but how much grace can take? I'm not even sure. Look at these mistakes. And I'm sorry, how much grace can take? I don't even know. Look at these mistakes, but where else can I go? How much grace can take? I'm not even sure. Um, but all I have is faith while I'm knocking on her door. I'm screaming, Grace, just one more chance. Right? Mm. So everybody goes, Is that about a girl or is that about God? And I'm like, Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Because everybody wants these like simple answers that, you know, especially in the in the CCM world, right? They'll yeah. be like, they want me to go, Oh, it's about God. Don't worry. Whew, okay, good. I thought you were singing about a girl for a minute. It's like, what if I am? Like what's the problem? Yeah. People that are Christians don't have relationships. You know what I mean? Like you just people. And that's kind of been a big thing of mine is like art is about wrestling with a thought. It's not about me giving you all the, all the answers you want. So you feel safe. It's about me making something that makes your heart churn a little bit. You know? And if I said to you, yeah, this song is about a, it's about my relationship with God. And, and you'd be like, okay, cool. You'd be comfy. You'd, you'd you'd feel good about it, or if that's kind of the the genre you like. But if I said to you it's about a girl, does it invalidate the song or the feeling somehow? And it, right. it shouldn't. So yeah. I wrote this song that like sits on the edge as far as I never say I say her right, but am I personifying Grace or am I talking about a girl? And I I don't give that answer. I just like you to sit with it. So you guys should check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Great song. Great album. Thanks, bro. Yeah. (laughs) It's on repeat. Yeah. Man. um, So what's what's coming out next? Mm. What's next for you? Other than Red Rock that I might be I might be at that that show. You should come. Um, So let me see. We have tonight we do the Grammy thing. Uh, I'm in Florida for this this uh, radio conference. Honestly, we. I go to LA for six weeks yeah. from mid June to the end of July. And that's just writing. Um, we do a bunch of festivals in that time, but I'm excited about LA cause it's, it's like a little vacation, but it's also just like me starting to conceive of record number two, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and after LA, there's some, a lot of stuff in August. I don't know if we've announced any of it yet, so I can't say it, okay. but there's a lot of stuff in August. I'm, I'm supposed to be going to Nigeria in September. Yeah, your tour, tour manager sitting over there. Yep, he just, yep, he yep, just yep, lifted yep. his head up like, hey. <laughs> Shut up. There's <laughs> a yeah. lot of stuff. And lest I get in trouble. But yeah. it's going to be fun, man. The rest of the year is going to be a lot of fun. And, man, I'm I'm so, so grateful. And I never forget to say um, to anybody who's hearing this right now who's still in the 2018 friends are paying your rent phase, it's worth sticking it out it's fun right and i heard something really cool the other the other day someone said to me the best thing you can do is quit and that sounds counterintuitive but check this out if you're in that moment where your friends need to pay your rent 
and you're not happy, quit. And I, I mean that. And I don't mean that because you shouldn't stick to things. I mean it because if getting up and playing your instrument doesn't make you happy, then a world tour won't either. So if you are in that hard time and getting up and playing your instrument, writing your song and doing your craft isn't bringing you joy, don't do it. Just quit. Because you're you, nothing, like it doesn't really change your, like your heart. I was happy then, I'm happy now. I'll be happy no matter what, you know what I mean? But if I wasn't happy then, then now wouldn't have made me happier. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So yeah. The best thing you can do for yourself is quit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And when I first heard that, I was like, wait, that's literally every, the opposite of everything everybody says. Yeah. But it's the truest thing ever. Like if when it's the baddest, when it's the lowest, when it's the worst, if you're not happy, you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. 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 Any, anytime I'm low, mm -hmm. I mean, that is where I'm the happiest. Mm -hmm. I sit down in front of the piano or I yep. pick up my guitar. Yep. And yet you're still and it's just, yeah. Like, and I don't even, you know, I don't even perform anymore. I still write yeah. a lot, but yeah, like it's just, yeah, it's so true because there's everything can go away mm -hmm. when my fingers start moving on those keys, yes. you know? And it's just like, um, just peaceful and, and happiness. Yes. And, um, yes, especially in this industry, that's like whatever you choose to do for a living, right? Mm -hmm. You can, you, you go to work and you can make money. Yep. This, you go to work and you can make money when someone says that they're going to pay you. Yep. It's like, it's so, it's so hard. It's, yes. but, but yeah, if you're doing it because you absolutely love it and mm -hmm. you don't, you don't lose that joy mm -hmm. and that love, then keep going. Keep going. But if you're doing it for, for any other reason, quit. Yeah. Quit immediately. Yeah. Do something you love. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that's, there's no shame in it. Like, you know, that like. Don't spend 40 years doing something just to turn out you hated it. Right. That's awful. Yeah. So, hey, go be a lawyer. They make a lot of really, like, regular money. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And, you know, I speak, my uncle is an attorney. I almost became a, or, like, the plan was for me to become a lawyer. Like. I but, didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Like, if it was, like, honestly, I, I remember listening to law lectures with him in the car. And I have a, I have a, a, a mind, I like, the aptitude for it. I could have done it. <clears throat> but, you know, I went to Belmont and I was like commercial voice major and, because I knew I was never going to be a lawyer. But like the the immigrant handbook of things to do, lawyers on that list. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Lawyers there, doctors Doctor, there, finance yeah. is there. Yeah. Uh, engineering is there. Every singer songwriter is not there. You yeah. know what I mean? Because that's too risky. Um, but my uncle who is a lawyer you know he was always like hey if it gets hard law school's only three years <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean and i was like i can't do it you know what i mean so and luckily i never had to do it but if i needed to do something else if for some reason back then when things were you know super hard if if i if i had given up which would have never happened i would have become a lawyer yeah yeah mm. Well, man, I, uh, I appreciate you sitting down Absolutely. with me. Um, this has been so fun and I can't wait to like, uh, I want to, I want to plan, like we're going to do this come again on. in a year or two oh, yeah. and talk about like <laughs> where it's come since then. Um, 
But I always like to end uh, with the same question. Um, So you've already given a lot of great advice, but let's turn the tables and Mm -hmm. go back to you. Mm -hmm. So if you are talking to, knowing what you know now and everything that you've done, if you're talking to eight-year-old Blessing, Mm -hmm. what advice do you give yourself today? Mm. I would say to eight-year-old me, like, nerves only get better the more you do the thing that makes you nervous. Because I was petrified of singing in front of people when I was eight, nine, ten. The oh, the first crowd, the first people that heard me sing were my little middle school, elementary school girlfriends. I'd sing to them <laughs> on the phone. <laughs> I'd just serenade people yeah. on the phone, you know what I mean? And I'd, they'd be like, sing! And I'd be like, okay, I guess I'll sing. And then I'd sing, but I would be so nervous, you know what I mean? And just scat for him. Nah, <laughs> I wasn't that cool. But like, I, I was just, I was nervous. You know, it's a nerve wracking yeah. thing. And the, the nerves don't mean you shouldn't do it. The nerves mean you need to ask yourself if it's worth pushing through. And I just wanted to be on stage. So I was going to find a way to push through. And it just meant doing it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And literally now, when I performing is just the most comfortable thing in the entire world, you know what I mean? But also there's that little energy. It's not quite nerves, but it's like buzz. You yeah. Know? It's a buzz. And then if you don't have the buzz, something's wrong. Cause it's you, it's a tightrope walk. Like you're in front of people and you could mess up and that's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, man. Great advice. Yeah, man. I love it, dude. Thank you so much for sitting down. Cheers, bro. Uh, yeah. And, uh, can't wait to uh, keep watching how things go, man. Thank you, sir. It's going to be awesome. All right, y'all. This is another episode of Stories Behind the Songs. You've been listening to Blessing Offer, and we will see you next time. This has been an episode of Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. For more information after the show, head over to chrisblair.com. That's where you can find information on these episodes, trailer notes, video links, all kinds of great stuff. Also, make sure to leave us a great rating on iTunes. Like and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. I really hope that you think this show is awesome and we really appreciate the love and support. I promise to keep gathering great content and continuing to sit down with more amazing songwriters and artists as we grow. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for the support. We'll see you next time.